Doc Fermento Discovers the World, Unlocking Secrets Held by Geeks, Gurus, and Experimenters. 21. Aaron Pearl, Coffee Shaman. I sit down with the owner-slash-roaster from Origins Beanery, and we discuss coffee, wine, philosophy, beer, kombucha, and all the other pertinent things. This is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at audibletrial.com forward slash docfermento. You know, there's over 100,000 titles to choose from, and you play them on the electronic devices that fit in your pocket and plug into your ears. So it's recording now. Okay. We can talk about whatever the hell we want. <laughs> this is so, more like a conversation or interview yeah, yeah. or so, no, more like a conversation? It's a conversation about coffee. I need to right. learn more about coffee. And, you know, I know it's not it's not right for you to be in a coffee shop. <laughs> you roast your own coffee. Right. So I ordered the cappuccino, figured that was relatively safe that makes for me. You know. Yeah. And it's got milk and all kinds of other stuff in there, and right. you, you don't make... notice much about the underlying product. <laughs> right, know. right. That's what I was saying. I just poured over all my butter and spices, and yeah. it doesn't really matter what kind of coffee they give me. So uh... this isn't bad. It's pretty nice. I know. I, I never make cappuccinos myself. Yeah. I, uh, I do it at home. At home, I uh, I do pretty much uh, drip coffee, but you know, like my manual. It's like a pour over. Pour over. Well, a lot uh, a lot of coffee dorks, I think myself included, like to play around with brewing method, you know. So yeah, um, I, was, I I do the pour overs, like a couple different styles of pour overs. Um, Chemex, which is sort of a style of pour over. Um, the couple different styles of French press, like the traditional Bodum, and there's a Freeling. I mean, basically the same thing. The Freeling's uh, got uh, thermal properties because it's double-walled stainless, so it actually, um, which I didn't even realize when I bought it. I just thought this thing looks cool, you know? <laughs> but an added benefit that I hadn't considered was that, um, you know, in the four minutes it takes to do a French press, your temperature is dropping. Dropping right? the whole time, right. So uh, in, in this in this French press, uh, it doesn't do that, so it actually stays... Is it the Bodum? Just a few degrees. Uh, the Freeling is the... Oh. I think Bodum does a double The Bodum has one. It's, yeah. I, I just saw it on a video from... Uh, what's that dude's name? Coffee Nate or something. He's he's out there, you know, the blogosphere or whatever. And he used one of those. I had never really used a French press because uh, when I got into coffee, I got an AeroPress right away. Okay. And then that's all I've ever used. Okay. Ever since. That's, I, that's one of the things I haven't used, actually. Yeah. It, I've been thrilled with it. A lot of people say it makes meh coffee, you know, yeah. like whatever, but I'm not. Look, right. doing it that way is poofy enough for you. me. I'm, I'm good. <laughs> Well, the cool thing I did learn, though, is so typically you take the AeroPress and you set it on a cup, right. and it, the filter's on the bottom, and you pour it in, it, it'll start dripping out, uh-huh. and then you press it out. Right. What you do is invert it, and you put the plunger on the bottom, and then the filter's on the top, and then you can sit there, and so you leave the lid off, mm-hmm. and you can do it like that four-minute idea, or however oh, okay, long you so want. Okay, so you're doing like a full now version you get brew. complete control. 
Huh. I don't even stir it anymore. I poorly slow the water over. Yeah. And just, you know, let the I keep letting the water push the grounds that float right. up, you know, real slow. Real three minutes, four minutes. Flip it over. Put the put the filter on. Uh, <laughs> I did that once. Oh, uh, just flip the whole the, thing oh. over. Oh man, there's nothing like 25 grams of coffee ground. Right, it's everywhere. Like, it's it's like a five gallon bucket. <laughs> I, know. I know. It's just like there's a little bit left in the bottom of the grinder, and you like you know go to tap it out or something, and yeah. just that you know you get it on the floor. It's like it's like marbles. Mm-hmm. You know, you can just start slipping everywhere. Yeah, it's like magic. <laughs> So yeah, I just I love the AeroPress, but I think mine's getting a little worn out now, and it, it leaks a little bit. Yeah, where the filter cap goes on. Well, there's a lot of lower cost devices that you can play around with if it's time to you know get something yeah. else. So yeah. you know the, the best the best uh, things for making coffee are generally the cheapest I found. Cheapest, you simplest know? things, right? Yeah, yeah. I really the like that bottom press pot though. I like the idea because it's like a carafe. Yeah, yeah. And you know, but. I drink so little coffee now, just that one cup is right. what I need. Right. Um, but uh, the Bulletproof exec that I was talking about, that came up with the Bulletproof coffee, uh-huh. he recommended the Hario V60. That's that's the pour-over one that I like, yeah. Yeah, because then you're at 20-something dollars. Right. As long as you don't get their $60 teeth pot. The pourer? Well, that's the problem. Like, so here's the problem with that, though, yeah. is that um, you don't need their expensive teapot, uh, but I would really recommend a gooseneck kettle. Okay. Um, the reason being... Um, with the, with the V60, unlike some of the other uh, pour overs, it's got a really big hole. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so if you're if you're talking about like the classic style pour over, like the Melita cones, or even like the uh, Von Mac or, or things like that, they've got little holes. Uh-huh. So you can like dump water, dump in, water there, in there, and it sort of regulates the pour. Almost like regular drip. The Hario's not yeah. going to do that. If you dump water in there, you're going to have a right really through, right? shitty cup of coffee. Okay. Yeah. So you need a, a, a kettle that's going to do like the kind of thing you were talking about with your AeroPress where you're controlling the pour with your technique. Yeah, I just you know? use a, a cheap OXO measuring cup. Yeah. A, a well-designed one. It's right. got a nice long spout. Okay. And you can just drizzle. I, a lot pours off the bottom edge and yeah. I make a mess right. off the back end of the measuring yeah. cup. But yeah. it's water. I don't give a crap. But it, it, it pours a nice slow... Yeah. But I mean, I've seen like I've seen watering cans that would work just yeah, fine. Yeah. I think you know, um, you even something like that. Bucks, get there, kettle. Yeah. And oh, it's a sweet kettle. I have one, and it's awesome. But yeah. you don't necessarily need it. You do need something with a thin enough spout that you're going to be able to have a lot of control over your yeah. pour. Okay. Yeah, I posted a link to a video of yeah. coffee geek kind of guy doing uh, right. Ario method. Or, you know, the other one to look into is if you don't need that with, is like I said, the, uh, the, uh, it's Bon Mac or Bon Mac or, um, are really nice, um, you know, they make nice ceramic pour-over cones yeah. and everything, but they've got that little hole. So then you don't need to worry about the, you know, the, the, the technique as much. Yeah. Yeah, but those are nice. Those are really nice too. That's cool. I know a lot of people like that travel and use the Hario. Yeah, the AeroPress is good too, but it's a little, it's it's a little bit big, the size of yeah. a soda can or whatever. And the other thing with the Harios, because they do, um, well, I know like the same, you know, same thing with other kind of like food issues. Is I prefer they, they do a ceramic one, yeah. versus the plastic one. Yeah, they you know, do. so I definitely recommend going the ceramic over the plastic yeah. if you can. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it might be a difference of ten bucks or something like that, but a glass one too. 
I, yeah, yeah. Well, the, and the Chemex is a glass, like, carafe. You yeah, know, those are so really nice. And they're pretty. If you I know. had a pretty place, I'd have to yeah. have one. I'd yeah. have to have one of those. I mean, they're just super good looking. But I've been I've been able to get a much better cup of coffee out of the Hario than I have out of the Chemex. Ooh. Like, oh, consistently. Really? Yeah. yeah. I mean, and I don't know if I just haven't figured out what I'm doing yet. Okay. Or Chemex tends to use these really big, chunky paper filters. Yeah. Um, which, you know, may be really holding a lot of the coffee back. Uh, and, that, and that could be why. Um, but for whatever reason, um, I really like the cups that I get out of the huh. uh, Hario. I think I'm going to have to get one of those then. Yeah. I just bought filters from my AeroPress, but it leaks like hell. So I should just get... I'm going to try the Hario. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Those are nice. And the Clever Drippers I like too, although they're plastic. But the Clever Drippers are kind of nice because um, what they are, it looks like a it looks like a cone, um, like a pour-over cone kind of thing, but it's got a stopper on the bottom. Oh, yeah, So yeah, yeah. you get a full immersion brew, like a French press, but then um, then it? it goes through water. No, 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 you don't plunge it. I mean, the uh, stopper's on the bottom, you stop, set it on you your carafe. It and it leaks out the bottom. Exactly. I have one yeah. of those for making tea. Okay, it's probably almost the exact probably, same thing. I think it yeah. is the same thing. So those, uh, yeah. those are pretty good too because it's sort of like a cross over, you know, you get the full immersion yeah. uh, um, instead of it, you know, going straight through, but you still um, get the filtering, you know, uh, of the paper. Pa- but it's paperless, right? Or it is paper. No, 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 paper, paper. It is paper? Yeah. Oh, see, mine just has a mesh. Well, right, because with tea, that's tea. enough. Yeah, yeah with, with fine filter. grounds, that's not going to work as well. there. It actually serves a good function. It removes some toxins. Right. Some few things that aren't beneficial in the coffee. And all the insoluble stuff. I mean, yeah. depending, you know, a lot of people don't mind it, but a lot of people, you know, that gritty sip you get in a, fr- in a French press, you yeah. know, like, it, you avoid that. Yeah. Mm. That's cool. i, I got to experiment again. Still have to play with a vac, uh, vacuum pot as well. I haven't really. I've, I've, I've like you know sort of played with it with someone else who it was, get, like, but never. Expensive. They do. Yeah. Hand blown. Right. Yeah. You can get crazy with it. I mean, you can get a sort of reasonable one, although they're pricier than some of the other equipment. But still, like you know. Any of these devices tend to be like you know as reasonable or much more reasonable than a coffee maker, which will make you a shit cup of coffee. You know. Yeah, for like AeroPress is twenty five bucks, and it's yeah. it's a magnitude better than right. a coffee maker. You know, it's funny. The only the only uh, like manual system like for home use that you know is supposed to be as good as some of these uh, manual systems um, is the. Uh, or the auto system, rather, that's as yeah. good as the manual systems, is uh, the Technoform. I don't know if you heard of this no, one, but no, no, no. Mo- these Mocha Masters. But essentially, it's a it's an automatic coffee maker that does what you're doing when you do things manually, <laughs> does, with yeah. the option yeah. of like stopping the brew and like okay. stirring it. And I'm like, well, if you're gonna do all that, why don't you just, just do, it do it and not spend the extra two hundred fifty dollars on <laughs> wow. the machine to kind of do it really? for you? Wow, you know. Huh. It gets water to the right temperature, which is a big thing big with automatic thing, right, machines right. versus doing it yourself. Yeah, I interviewed uh, Mark Fraunfelder from Boing Boing. I don't know if you know that website or... You know, oh, yeah. yeah. I've heard of the website. Yeah. So he, um, he was interested in pursuing you know, the perfect espresso. Uh-huh. So he actually got a meeting with the guy who won you know, the espresso oh, the from award of the year. From Chicago, I think. <laughs> I don't know which guy or where, but it was from... You know what was the coffee place was... Um, Intelligentsia? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Did you just say Chicago, that? Chicago, yep. Sometimes yeah, that's I, I just said blank out. Don't worry about it. I'm, yeah. I'm faulted. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so it was that dude. And um, out in, I think in L.A. Chicago. 
for sure. Really? Well, I mean, that's where Intelligentsia is, unless oh. they might have, like, now satellites somewhere else. I'm oh, okay. not totally up on okay. it, but Chicago's where they're based out of. That's where that dude who cool. won the competition yeah. is based out of. So they were... He actually brought... Um, Mark brought his espresso maker, uh-huh. uh, electronic espresso maker, to them. Right. And said, show me how to make espresso with my machine. And oh, that's awesome. he's like, well... First off, you know, he takes it apart. He's like, "This is disgusting." He's like, "You yeah. need to clean this. This is gross. You have no idea how bad this is." You know, and just all these little details. And it, he actually has a whole chapter. Mark has a book called "Made by Hand," and he has a whole chapter on coffee. Mm-hmm. And um, it's it's a really good read, and it's, it's pretty cool because he talks about learning that you know that fine art and art of and. Uh, what they I'm definitely it? lacking on that. Like, I, I, I feel like my technique... And, you know, I already feel like uh, I, I got a leg up on a lot of other roasters because, you know, a lot of people don't cross the lines from, you know, roaster, barista, like, whatever. So the roaster roasts right. the coffee, right. lets someone else make it, you know. Right, right. So I definitely, like, I like playing with all the techniques of preparing coffee, but espresso is my, like, down sort of, you yeah, know, yeah. area. I, okay. don't, uh, I don't have real skills at, you know, any espresso-based drinks. Yes, the one machine they recommended, I guess, is, like, the go-to machine, but it has a few faults. Yeah. And um, I can't. I don't know the name of it, but um, the name of the chapter right. of the title of the the title of the chapter is "Tickling Miss Sylvia." So it has something to do with that Sylvie. So this machine is called something Sylvie. But anyway, or I don't even I don't know. know. Yeah. The reason they call it tickling is you literally you hack the machine right. and get better temperature control. Right, right, right. By adding a little gizmo and some. Oh, yeah. My, so my brother actually is the one that um, got me into coffee in the first place, my younger brother. So um, he started, uh, well, he lives in Chicago. Uh, and so, you know, he was, um, he, like, loves intelligentsia and, you know, all that. And, uh, but, he, you know, he's sort of, I don't know, we all have a little bit of the I want to do it myself kind of thing yeah, going on, yeah. you know. So. That's cool. But he was the first one to sort of, like, he... Um, He's a web developer, uh, so, you know, I have nothing to do with, like, service industry or anything, but, like, you know, went out and got, like, a professional, you know, uh, uh, espresso machine and, like, trained himself and everything, and yeah. I went over there uh, to hang out with him a few weeks ago, and uh, he said, you want a cappuccino? And I go, sure, and the dude, like, pours it with, like, latte art and the whole thing, oh, you know, right. and he's like, this is what I would have done if the whole web development thing didn't work out, you know. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it was the same thing. I remember when he first got that uh, machine. He's like, you know, looking at service manuals and how to hack the temperature controls. Hack the temperature. And that's what they pretty much that. I read is that that's the yeah. the missing link is just the temperature management. I got a. Uh, I actually I have an espresso machine, so I'm I'm, I'm going to be doing a very similar thing to what you said with that guy. Is I've got uh, a couple friends who are um, you know sort of established baristas yeah. who are gonna uh, are willing to show me on my equipment. Yeah, that's cool. What the hell I'm doing? Exactly. You know? That's exactly what he did. And I found uh, I found this. I got a hell of a deal on this thing. Um, there's uh, some different auction type things that I follow, you know, and uh, so um, there was a. a coffee company in town here that was uh, auctioning off some of their old stuff through this uh, online site and uh, I wound up getting this you know it's a slightly older machine but re- rehab by them and they have you oh, yeah. know espresso techs and all yeah. that um, and it was uh, you know I mean this thing is probably like a Two to three thousand dollar espresso machine that I got like for you know one hundred fifty or two hundred bucks. Oh, really? Wow! Uh, like you know, big monster oh, Astra, wow. I think. Um, wow! And uh, so I go to make a shot out of it the very first time, you know, 
um, without even like thinking about, hey, I should probably clean this thing out, you know, because right. it looks sort of shiny from the outside. So I figure, oh, it's yeah. you know, it's it's in great condition, right? So I make an espresso out of egg taste, and I'm like, oh, this isn't bad. You know, I don't quite know what I'm doing or anything. But I'm like, oh, you know, I should clean this thing though, right? So I get some clean calf, which is like, you know, almost like a acidic kind of stuff to go inside, like steel, you know, containers, gets all the junk off and all that, you know. So I make the clean calf, fill the reservoir with it, and start the machine, and the water just comes out like black. You know, and I'm like, hey, I just drank that. You just drank whatever that was. All right. Oh, yeah, that's cool, man. I want to see that machine in action. That's awesome. Yeah, pretty soon, hopefully. The funny thing is, all these machines and all these coffee shops, I don't understand how... They can't make an espresso. Yeah, oh, shit. <laughs> there, there is one place there's right now. There's coffee places that don't even know what it is. Right. So there's this coffee shop in Avon right next door to my family's business. Yeah. And I went in there and asked for a double espresso. And she basically gave me like a, a watery Americana. It was full 12 ounces of liquid. So I'm like, I don't even understand how you can have a coffee shop and not have... I know she's just a girl making a few bucks an hour. Yeah, coffee but... Shop, but so. No training, zero. You need some. Tra- well, and, and but but so the other side of that now is to avoid those kind of situations. Uh, places like Starbucks and all the bigger chains yeah. are going to fully automatic uh, machines. So yeah. now you don't need to train people. You, you just need to show people how to press buttons. Yeah, just like a McDonald's. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and so uh, you, know, you don't need pictures. to know anything. You know, and 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 so the thing about those is you're going to get, um, you know, you're going to get a consistent product, and it's going to be like decent you know yeah. it's never going to be fantastic but it's never going to be awful yeah. and, and and they're willing you know that's sort of a, a compromise that they're it's willing to Toyota Corolla you right, get right. It, you know we've sold uh, one billion of them right, right, right. never break and everyone smiles when they drive you know yeah. well actually don't smile they just kind of yeah. they're, they're not sad they're satisfied <laughs> they're, yeah. <laughs> they're not unhappy it's mediocre yeah. and that's, it's, that's pretty much all we strive for so no, there's always the hackers <laughs> and the tinkerers and stuff so it's cool to see these local shops and stuff. Yeah, but yeah. And this, I don't, actually, the machine here is pretty sweet because it, it's got the, the pull handles, you see, okay. which is a, kind of a nice, you know, little feature. I mean, it's probably, it's, it's not effectively doing a whole lot, but it looks, at least it looks kind of cool. At least you're actively involved yeah. in the process. Not just pressing the smiley face button. Yeah, and there's still, I mean, the art, the art of espresso, which I obviously have to learn. I mean, I know what you have to, what I have to learn. I just don't know it yet. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's it's just stuff like, um, you know, dialing in the grind so that so that it's, and that's one of the biggest components of pulling a good shot is you know grinding the coffee correctly to pull the shot in the and time the you're time supposed to pull it. And, you know, and that's where my, it's my biggest fail is I don't, I have just a. Um, Coffee grinder. Like <laughs> quotes. Yeah, blades. Blade, whirling yeah, blade. Yeah, rubber grinder. Yeah. So I know everyone tells me that I have. And that's a relatively cheap investment too, because you could probably find one in I'm the fifty 60, bucks, sixty bucks. Yeah, you know? 60, 65 But that's another one makes a huge difference because with the with the blade grinders, you get you know chunks and dust is what yeah, you're looking at. You, you know, you really do. Really, uh, you know, not not uniform at all, which is which is what you need for for almost any style. I mean, you can get away with that more for French press, kind of rough, but you're going to get more of the dust through the filter, you know. But you cannot, you know. I mean, for something like espresso, really, you know, the, the grind. Is so important that you know if you don't have a good grinder, you, you can't pull a good shot. Like period. Yeah, you know. Yeah. I mean, I would say that that's probably true. 
well, I got an investment to make, I guess. We'll yeah. Put this together. We've been talking about like <laughs> equipment the whole time so far. But, <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm a big technology dork. No matter what I do, I've always been to like the the toys and the techie parts yeah, of stuff. Yeah. So same that, thing you as know, me. I mean, yeah. One of my, the, well, I think one reason I was a contractor was for all the tools. I just right, there's right. a total excuse I could buy any tool and justify it. Yeah. Just about anything. This does this, you know, and, and there's always a job that requires some new tool. A tool. And if you, you have know, a good and, job and you can build it into the price of the job, oh, that's yeah. always even better. Like I need that thirteen hundred dollar saw, but I'll just have to get it in this bid somehow. Yeah. And <laughs> Maybe I just tell myself this to justify, you know, the expense of some of these yeah, things. But never use it again. It really does seem like, you know, I mean, certain jobs, like, you need a particular oh, kind sure. of tool. And if you don't have that, it makes a job incredibly more difficult, yeah, you know. Absolutely. so It's true. <laughs> just in general, you know, yeah. any, in any kind of art form or technical. So whatever, let's talk you know. roasting. Yeah. What's the deal with the roasting? Well, I didn't even know. I mean, like, I, I saw those green beans. I'd never even seen one of those before. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, a lot of people haven't seen uh, green beans. Um, you know, I remember there was a display, like, some years ago uh, that they did in, like, in front of a counter at a Starbucks somewhere where they, where they did, you know, sort of different, like, showed some different roast levels and things. Oh, you know? yeah. And I was like, wow, that's really awesome, you know, but... I've never seen it. I don't think I've ever seen it since. Well, most um, people just you can't even see the coffee itself because it's in a can. Right. It's already ground. Right. It's just right. What it is? It's soldiers. I mean, yeah. They take care of all that nonsense for you. But um, so, yeah, so, you know. So, so, what are the words like? Um, do any of the words on the labels that the stuff we buy indicate the actual level of roast, or is it all just kind of a mystery? Like. French roast does that actually mean anything? Yeah, French roast is, is a darker roast. Okay. Um, so when they say French, now it's not. It's a lot of people will think French roast is a type of coffee, like a you know, like a, a type of bean or something. Yeah. You know, it's from France or I don't know what they you know. But but French roast really uh, is, is sort of is more the roast level as opposed to yeah. And and actually that that's really getting into the territory that you don't want to get into with most good coffee. You don't want to um, roast it that far. No. Um, so, good coffee, um, you want to be able to taste, right? Um, and what happens in the roasting process is that you sort of um, you sort of reach um, a point in the roast where you're going to taste most roast more than the bean. Oh, okay. You know, yeah, that makes perfect sense. So, just like if we were smoking something, yeah, a piece of meat, I mean, yeah, right, turn it into smoke. Yeah, eventually, yeah, right. It's like if, if you if you uh, you know you, you cook a steak well done, you're not going to really be able to taste the quality of the meat anymore. Yeah, right. Same idea, yeah. you know. Um, and so the same thing. So you know, all the coffee that I'm interested in, for the most part, is single origin coffee. So you know, not only is it from one particular place, but it's from one particular farm yeah. in that place. You know, like oh, wow. you can see pictures of the uh, of like the guy who owns the farm. You know, yeah. um, and so you want to taste that in the cup. You know, you want to know why this is special versus something else, right? Hence the name of your roast. It's Origins. Origins. That's right. Okay, yeah. this makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So you roast the shit out of it, and now what you taste... I mean, you know, and some people like, you know, the really over-roast, because we, you know, we become a very Starbucksy kind of culture, so people yeah. like that over-roasted coffee where you're just tasting, like... I mean, it's not that it's unpleasant, you know, I mean, but you're tasting, like, just the sort of heavy chocolate and sort of earthy flavors yeah. and all that, 
and a lot of times that's sort of eclipsing, you know, all the sort of interesting bright flavors that uh, coffee can demonstrate, like, you know, citrus and, uh, like, malic acid, like sour apple kind of stuff, and, and floral notes, and, you know, all of this stuff that you're just going to, you know, shit on if you, if you, if you take it too far. For the smoke, I mean the, right, the darker right. the because that's the only thing I can appreciate out of it. Everything else just tasted like. Um, well, I just always hated that light, over extracted kind of bitter kind of. Right, but here's the thing: though. I always used a drip maker, and I never knew what I was doing. Well, the I was buying is... expensive coffees and putting them in my Mister Coffee. Oh, right, and right, right. Going, oh my God, this is what a waste of money. That's part of it. Yeah, so, I mean, you're trying to overcompensate. And it's the same thing with uh, a lot, what a lot of people will do with espresso blends. You know, because when you when you, when you you make uh, a lot of espressos used for cappuccinos, right? So what you're doing with cappuccinos is you're taking that espresso and then you're dumping a bunch of milk in it, you know? And so in order for the flavor of that coffee to cut through the milk, it's got to have that really hearty roast on it to try to make it through, you know? So it's sort of probably the same kind of thing if you're doing it in your automaker where the temperature's not high enough and, you know, there's all kinds kinds of variables that really aren't aren't sort of up to par, yeah. you know, you're going to sort of account for that by, like, using more coffee than you're supposed to, or yeah. using a darker roast, yeah. you know, to try to get some of that hearty coffee flavor mm-hmm. out of a device that doesn't do a good job preparing it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, like... Um, if you if you uh, if you prepare it right, which it sounds like you're doing now, you know, um, you can really uh, you might be able to appreciate some of the some of the differences because lighter roast coffees don't make weaker coffee, and I think that's what you know maybe what you're associating lighter means I, I weaker. I guarantee, I think that way. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And it's if not I that way at all. I mean, roast be, I wouldn't even buy. Right. See, I mean, light roast coffee is incredibly flavorful, really pungent, oh. aromatics. Yeah. You know, the whole thing, but totally different flavors. A lot of times that come out of that. Then the darker roast stuff. Uh, I got a lesson to learn. So, and, and just like wine tasting, I think you know one of the if you can go to a coffee tasting or do a coffee tasting or something like that, that's going to be the, the the quickest shortcut to sort of learning some of this stuff. Because you know, if you buy a, a, a nice bottle of wine, right, and then uh, you drink it all, and then you know a couple weeks later you buy another bottle of wine, right, and try to compare those yeah. in your head. I mean, across time, it's impossible. I mean, yeah, yeah, you're right. Especially like, I mean, our memories are, aren't fantastic to begin with, and yeah. then our, our gustatory memories are even worse yeah you know so what was that one gustatory Gustatory? like flavor oh yeah yeah okay cool yeah and the other thing for me is I'm kind of hooked on words lately oh okay yeah and that here um our reality is created by words we use uh our level oh see now we're getting into my other life okay because our level of perception is strongly related to the words we have available to us and so for me Going, I lived near Napa Valley, okay. Sonoma, whatever. We used to go there a few times, you know, once a year or whatever. And you go on the tours, and the good ones, they're really, they're teachers. Mm-hmm. And they teach you words, um, flavor words. Mm-hmm. And the one at Salt Supri that had these tubes, and they just had scents in these tubes. Yeah, like yeah, pepper, the sensory tours dirt, and things. And you just put your nose in there and take Very a cool. big whiff yeah. of pepper and a big whiff of just some strange herb or something. And, and it just puts a word into that scent. Like, mm-hmm. I think I have pretty good uh, flavor, sense, or smell especially. Mm-hmm. But I have no words to associate without what I'm getting. I'm like, oh, I know this, but I just can't put word to itself. Right. Yeah, getting the training, learning the words and that association heightens your reality, heightens yeah. your 
appreciation and perception of what you're Oh yeah, for sure. But you're drinking, you know. Yeah, that's sort of, this is sort of crossing over into a because I, I teach philosophy also. Oh, okay. I don't know if I we talked yeah, about yeah, that yeah. before, but we yeah, didn't really so. talk about it. I just know that you do. My uh, my main interest, although you know what I do because I have a I have a, a master's and not a PhD, so I'm sort of limited, you know, in what I can teach. I do more like a entry level classes and community college and stuff like uh-huh. that. Um, but uh, my interest is in uh, consciousness and philosophy of mind. And, oh, really? Um, so, you know, language and linguistics oh, wow. and that is, a, that. is a huge no part of that. Yeah. That's pretty funny. I didn't yeah. even know. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah, I was just actually talking about language the other day because we were talking about uh, the sort of mental life of uh, human beings versus the mental life of, of animals, yeah. you know? Um, and uh, one of the claims that I was making um, was that I think one of the differences is how um, you know we perceive reality based in time, um, and it seems like other uh, animals don't quite have that same capacity. And not to say that they can't necessarily have somewhat limited plans and things like yeah. that, but uh-huh. to really sort of think of um, you know things in terms of past, present, and future. Uh, is something that I think is pretty unique to us and I think really facilitated in large part by language you yeah. know that, that be, if, if, uh, if other beings you know especially more intelligent animals you know apes dolphins things like that if they had the, the sort of the same richness of language that we had might sort of like open up their consciousness like the consciousness you know, expands from um, the language yeah so maybe the language comes first then I think yeah it's sort of like uh, you know it's sort of like back and forth and you know like the, I think you have to have a certain uh, mental capacity to yeah. probably reach the stage where a language and there's you know, also that stone ape theory where it was hallucinogenics raised consciousness and language caught up to oh yeah I haven't heard that it's a stone uh-huh. ape theory okay uh, Terrence McKenna I don't know if he created it vaguely familiar or if it was someone else but that's the idea that um, these tribal groups encountered um, psychedelic mushrooms raise their consciousness or even I mean, I'm not sure what level actually it's apes <laughs> literally some of the bodies rose their consciousness and out of that grew yeah. language and all these things it's pretty good yes. I haven't read that much about it I just like yeah. I like the theory I think it sort of makes like uh, here it just started with you know sort of having a, a, a representation um, a symbolic representation for something that otherwise would have to sort of be handled by you know, like ostension, like pointing, you know, so you uh-huh. go like, like tiger over there, right. you know, watch out, right? Sure, sure. So, um, you develop a noise for that tiger over there, watch labeling, out. And yeah, you're just start labeling the things common. in the visible world, but through conscious expansion with right. psychedelics. And then you could go from sort of just, level. yeah, just pointing to conceptual, yeah. you know, and yeah, pretty, uh, pretty cool to be able to question reality and not even have any words to use to describe what you were experiencing so right I think your experience would be really limited in that case you know yeah I mean you'd you'd be limited to sort of like uh, visual memory and things like that and you know a lot of of your experience couldn't be quantified as well without language I mean I don't know if quantified is the right word but you sort of know what I mean I think so described as well or you know uh, self-reflection is probably a lot more difficult without words and you know Mm -hmm. all sorts of stuff without words it's going to be way harder (laughs) Huh. That's cool. Yeah, so that's fun. And then, uh, 
So yeah, I, I like to uh, keep things interesting, you know. So philosophy, coffee roasting, well, and the two go together so well. I mean, oh yeah, I can't, so. what, what's better than those two things? <laughs> Drink a little coffee, me, talk a little philosophy. But yeah, uh, I don't do that during the daytime anymore. Okay, um, nighttime PM smoker uh-huh. with wine, red wine, cigarettes. Yeah. It's like my that's what I, that's my go-to mechanism. All right. Yeah, I gave up on the smokes. Since, you are wise. Uh, yeah, 2000, April of 2004. I have oh, not had a cigarette good. since wow. April of yeah. 2004. It's like the one vice that I've ever given up successfully. <laughs> like all the others I still got, and I'm adding more every day, you know. <laughs> but that one I saw doing okay with. That's cool. Yeah. So this roasting gig, how does this work? Do you have a... And a yeah, it's, it's a uh, you can actually do real simple methods like that. So I mean, uh, one of the things I was considering actually was a uh, uh, you can get a drum roaster sort of uh, to go inside of a grill. You know, oh, yeah, I saw one that um, looks kind of like a toaster oven. Yeah, and yeah. same thing. You know, where it's almost like a modified toaster oven with a smaller drum and uh-huh. you know, sort of just a little motor. You know, so it cranks around, and so there, there's some you know real kind of. Uh, DIY kind of methods, you know, like that. Um, Do they no. work for the home? Um, I mean, some of the, I mean, some of the smaller ones with the drum roasters, where where there, there's a motor and a, and a relatively constant heat source, yeah. is going to do okay. Yeah. Uh, the barbecue grills, you know, with the drum, like it's a little more difficult, especially if you're hand cranking it. There's yeah. a variable that's going to alter you things. Have to walk away for one minute, and then you know done. the flames, obviously, yeah. that's going to sort of uh, just affect like things. The espresso, you can't control the temperature. You're right. Have right. And that's um. So so mine's a step up from that, but not quite like you know, what what. Not quite ideal. Um, okay. It's a uh, it's a fluid bed roaster, um, so it sort of works like a propane grill. It's got um, it's got a fluid bed at the bottom of the roaster, and then it um, takes the uh, the propane um, and you know like a igniter, so, so it's your sensor at the top that samples the air as it's coming out, and then it regulates. It basically turns the fuel on and off to regulate the temperature that's oh. going over the beans. Hmm. So it's roasting from underneath and blowing yeah. hot air. So it's not actually heating with fire or anything. The fuel is underneath the and then blows the, the hot air over it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not just uh, heating the bottom of a pan. Basically. Right, it right. It's hot air. Yeah, it's blown, and it's the air that's roasting it. So it's sort of air roasted, uh. you know. Is that really hot air. Is that important? Are you try- is there a lot of um, moisture that needs to get extracted? No, they're no. already dry. Yeah, the, uh, so the way that um, coffee is prepared for roasting is you get the coffee cherry. Uh, are you familiar with the, you know? Not even the process. Okay, okay, I know so that they're fr- You know they're from a fruit? No. Okay, well, okay, so you've got um, coffee cherries, which I wish I had, like, a picture or something. You probably we'll look some, one up if you want, but, you know. Um, so there's, you know, trees or bushes or, you know, uh, whatever you want to call it that have these sort of clumps of, of coffee cherries on there. And... Um, the uh, coffee beans are the seeds of the coffee cherry. Okay. So you've got, um, in a standard bean, you've got two uh, seeds that are facing each other, uh, and then you've got like a pulp layer, and then you've got the skin over that. Okay. Um, and that's a standard, uh, that's a standard say. So, th- so, so when you see coffee... the bean is the seed. Yes. Yeah. So it's a dry and, and dry. So, um, and if you see, uh, you know, typical coffee is flat on one side. Yeah. And that's the side that's like facing... kidney. 
Right, it's a side that's facing its partner. Okay. Because they're pressed up against each other, so it's sort of like that half they oval, half a circle. Seam in there. They look like they were folded or something. Yeah. Is that from the roasting, or is it? No, that's just part of. That's although the way it something goes. happens with that during the roast, but yeah, okay. that crack is sort of already. Yeah. Uh, it's that cellulose sort of membrane in there. Okay. Um, so uh, you would harvest harvest the fruit, you know, at, at what you determine to be the ideal, you know, picking time, uh, and then. Um, different processes are going to be used at that point, depending on sort of region and what kind of flavors you're going it for. It is and stuff. a fermentation process that it is. Happens, so right? there's a couple different ways that it can go. Um, okay. There's a water process, in which yeah. case, it, which involves the most sort of uh, mechanization. You know, mm-hmm. you've got um, sort of beans that go into water, and then the you yeah. know certain. Um, uh, certain problem, you know, beans, uh, defects and things will float to the surface and those can okay. kind of be scooped off and then it's passed through another part of the machine that sort of rips the fruit, you know, off the seeds and mm-hmm. kind of washes it. It's like a hauling um, process, basically. Yeah, to get to the yeah. Seed. And all of this is sort of part of that, okay. you know, part of that water process. Um and so, yeah, there's some fermentation that happens, like, it, you know, with that moisture and so forth. And then and then it's dried, you know, and, and uh, so when you get it to roast, it's kind of like almost like a soup bean, like a dried, you it's know. It's that dry, okay. Yeah. Um, That's why and, they're so shippable. That's right. Why they're so, they come from all over the world, no yeah. problem. Yeah, yeah. Not a, and then, so moisture is, you know, what you want to avoid. You know, you get them mm-hmm. moist, then you ruin them, so... As long as you know packed right, then yeah, you're pretty good. And and uh, dried coffee beans will actually, you know, unlike unlike roasted, once it's roasted, it starts degrading immediately. You know, um, pre-roasted beans, you know, green beans, you can keep for a year, two years, you know, before yeah. you roast them. I know I, I read um, a, a bean grower, and I mean the lagoon, said that typical grocery store beans, dried beans, can yeah. be eight to ten years old. Wow. That that's what you're eating. Yeah. And it's not good. They should be less than a year. It should be less than that. Yeah, yeah. that seems a little yeah, that's, extreme. That's ridiculous. But um, but at least showing so their storage capacity is yeah, pretty, right. you know, sure. and people don't notice. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's pretty cool. So you, when you're doing with single origin, then, is taking one farmer's beans and roasting it in a... That's it. It's just that one. Yeah. So typically, I mean, you can get a couple different things. I mean, usually I'm doing single origin where it's actually like, you know, straight from a particular farm. Um, depending on the area, like different countries have different uh, regulations okay. um, as far as how they can sell. So, you know, like um, in uh, Ethiopia, for instance, it all has to be sort of by government auction kind of thing, okay. you know. And, and uh, yeah. so it's really hard. Uh, although I, now they're sort of messing around with like these specialty auctions where they're keeping separate lots separate, and you can actually, you know, they still have to go to auction, but then you can buy something from a particular farm. Part through of the this idea auction. is to try to help farmers too. Yeah. Right. Money going to them instead right. of to some clearinghouse or the government skimming it all off. I mean. I, I yeah. can imagine in Ethiopia there may be some corruption problems. Sure, there, yeah, very well could be. Yeah, yeah, but um, not unlike here. I mean, <laughs> yeah, right, yeah, here where we're corruption free, right? But no, it's um, so. But a lot of yeah, a lot of places. The more direct, you, the more directly you can work with the farmers. I mean, it helps out on both ends. So you know, the farmer is getting more of those proceeds, and depending on the price that's negotiated, you know, 
um, are, are getting a higher price for the coffee to begin with, and then all the money is going to them, the people who are actually doing the work. Yeah. And then as far as, you know, on the consumer is end... Is that fair trade idea? Is that part uh, of it? Better than the fair trade idea, actually. A lot of the stuff that I'm doing um, is... Because uh, fair trade will only work with cooperatives. They will not work with single farms. Okay. Um, and so, um, you know, you're kind of limited in uh, what you can do with fair trade. Although, you know, I'm not down in fair trade by any yeah. means, but if you want to work with single farms, then you actually need other programs beyond, you know, fair trade. And Ooh, so, uh, okay. um, the, the place that I get a lot of my beans from, um, like Sweet Maria's and, and, uh, um, Shrub, which is sort of their commercial and it's both very small cause I'm still doing very small kind of volume, you know? Yeah. Um, but he sort of started his own program, uh, to account for this. And I think he calls it Farmgate. And, uh, so he just does direct trade, flies oh, around, yeah. you know, meets with farmers, cups, uh, different coffees, you know, and, and, uh, and makes arrangements uh, to work so directly with them. It's kind of dangerous. I always think of coffee-growing regions as less than ideal. Like, they're not touristic places. You know? they, yeah, they can be a little shady. I mean, the same, you they know... They seem like they're grown near drugs. Like, well, that, that's part of the problem, too, drug, the coffee industry. Drug countries and coffee you always seem to be It's the, the same, same climate. Yeah. It's the same climate. You know, so growing, growing uh, you know, cocoa, uh, you know, plants and, uh-huh. and, uh, and coffee, you know, shrubs are going to grow in the same basic areas. So... Uh, and that's part of the problem in maintaining, you know, because uh, we want to keep a lot of these small farmers around and we want to make it, um, you know, cost effective for them so that they don't go, well, I may as well just grow, just grow Coke, Coke, you know, yeah. or, or whatever, or oh. pot, you know. Yeah. You, gotta, you want to keep your coffee growers happy yeah. um, so that they don't turn to use that land for something else. Where do most of your preferred coffees come from? Do you have a special No, all over place? the place. All over? Uh, I mean, all I over? think all over the place, but there are certain regions that tend to produce more coffees that I enjoy, I guess. But I wouldn't say a lot of that is personal taste. It's not because it's, like, objectively better, yeah. you know. So I think... Um, a lot of it, again, just like wine, it's like matching people up with what they like, you know. So, um, my brother, for instance, again, like I mentioned, he's uh, really into coffee as well, you know. But he likes different coffees than I like. And, yeah. and not because he's, you know, less sophisticated or something right, like right. that. It's just person, you know. Sure. So, he, uh, you know, he tends to go for sort of the classic coffee character, you know. Just sort of chocolate, caramel, smooth, you yeah, know. Just sort of like... Perfect. Yeah, and I like stuff that's, like, you know, uh, much more sort of aggressive. Like, I, I would prefer something that's unusual, you know, because I, I sort of, um, you know, if it's got something more interesting going on with, you know, like I said before, some kind of, like, citric, um, you know, notes, um, orange or lemon or things like that. or you know. I would have never known that there's those flavors even exist. Oh, yeah. There was, cool. um, there was some Costa Rican coffee that I got that, I mean, just, like... Lemon, like you know, really? Meyer lemon, really? boom in your face, and uh, a couple people tasted it. You know, like the first time my wife tasted it, uh, Lisa, she, you know, took a sip and like made a face, like what, what's wrong with this? Yeah. You know, yeah. and meanwhile, I'm taking a sip and going, this is incredible, huh. right? Because this is doing something that I haven't tasted in a lot of other coffees. You know, and then, and 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 it didn't taste bad. You know, it was that, and, but that unique character yeah. is sort of like what does it for me? Yeah, I would think if I didn't know that that was a fault or a flaw. If I had tasted that flavor, lemon yeah. flavor, taste yeah, yeah. sour, spit it out, probably. Right. Yeah, you need a you need a coffee shaman if you want to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I'm gonna take you on your journey. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, so it's um, but I, I would say, you know, African coffees, um, just in general, you know, tend to uh, tend to do it more, a little more for me yeah. on on um, consistently, you know. So, I mean, are there U.S. coffees? Uh, Hawaiian. Well, Hawaii. That's it. Yeah, just Hawaiian. 
Uh, arguably, so, I mean, someone said they're trying to do some stuff in like Puerto Rico or you know stuff, okay. but no, nothing in the con- nothing on the okay. continent. No, okay. but um, yeah, Hawaii is really the only official uh, coffee growing region of the U.S. Okay, and that's another one like. Um, uh, Kona and Blue Mountain are sort of uh, so well known, you know, name yeah. recognition now yeah. that uh, a lot of times you're gonna um, get mediocre coffee uh, simply because that you're paying for the name. Is, you're not gonna get for it's not for shit. Basically, you're gonna just overpay. No, so I mean, I, you know, I can I, I've gotten Kona's occasionally where I've known that they've been like from a particular farm that's uh, won awards and you know things like that, so it's something special. Yeah. But just because it says Kona on there, Jamaica Blue Mountain or something like that, you know, doesn't necessarily mean the quality's there. Because yeah. so much, you know, just like if you remember, again, I keep making comparisons to wine, but like, yeah. you know. Um, after uh, uh, Sideways came out, you know, it's like there was that whole like Merlot thing. Yeah, you're right. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like because there will be certain fats, Pinot Noir, uh, or actually, I'm sorry, it was the Merlot was before that. Then it was when that came out, like everyone wanted uh, Pinot, Pino. you know. That's right. That's so, what it was. So, uh, yeah. so all of a sudden, Pinot, which wasn't a huge, you know, uh, thing at least in the U.S. Now, yeah. now became a huge thing, and there were so many more shitty ones out there because people were looking for that, you know, yeah. varietal. You have to supply the market, so. Yeah, you gotta push it all out there. Yeah, so that's that's you know same thing happens. Yeah, so I got this bulletproof exec, the bulletproof coffee guy. His main thing, if you read his whole diet and his whole philosophy, he's I would say obsessed with mycotoxins. Myco mycotoxins molds. Okay, like fungus. Yeah, yeah. And so he says, if you look at all the research, coffee's good for you, coffee's bad for you, coffee's good for you, coffee's bad for you, coffee tastes good, coffee tastes bad. Mm-hmm. I get a good cup, I get a bad cup, I get a good cup, bad cup. He says, it's all molds. And that if you are getting coffee that's mold free, you're getting the coffee that tastes good and is good for you, it's good for your brain, it's good for your body. When you get moldy coffee, you get bad flavors, bad energy, bad hmm. mind. And he said, it's all molds. And then first thing someone's going to say is, well, you roast coffee at 400 and whatever degrees and you kill the mold. Yeah. He said by that point, the mold's already done its damage. Right. It's released all its... I don't know the chemistry. Mm-hmm. It's released all its bad yeah. chemicals into the coffee. So he has actually released a coffee that he has roasted for him that he sources. Um, it's called Upgraded Coffee. Upgraded? Uh, upgraded. Upgraded. Yeah, upgraded. Um, and, you know, it's like... Basically, what he's saying is it's guarantees it's mold free. Okay. That's what he's guaranteeing about it. Yeah, I've never tried it because I don't have the money right. to, to buy it. I, mean, I guess I could stretch and get some, but <laughs> right now I'm Trader Joe'sing it, you know, or whatever, yeah, yeah. getting whatever I can get my hands on. It's like seventy-five bucks for five pounds. Oh, well, I think. Yeah. So I'm, plus shipping or probably, yeah. probably. I don't think that includes shipping. We can look. I mean, it's easy enough to look up, but. Sure. Um, so that's his thing. Is yeah. The mold free. Huh. It's kind of a new concept. Well, I wonder how that plays plays with. Um, I mean, I don't know much about that, but there's a, um, a couple coffees, particularly like uh, Indian coffees. They'll play around with monsoon coffees. You know, where they're actually uh, the coffee will absorb extra moisture during the monsoon season. The bean will swell. It'll sort of be off color. It'll be more yellow than green. You know, and. Uh, I wonder how that, you know, if that sort of factors into some of the yeah, things I, they're playing around with moisture content and all that. Yeah, I guarantee it could. Yeah, the moisture 
Okay, like I got one big difference uh, from Bali that was accidentally monsoon. So it, like oh, produce really? some of the same thing that they do it when they intentionally do it, you know, with some of the Indian coffees. But they just got a particularly wet season when they weren't expecting it, and so this coffee got monsoon, but they didn't sort of intend it, you know. Um, and it was pretty interesting. I could see that being problematic if it wasn't cared for properly. Very, very conducive to mold in a, in a yeah. environment like that. So I know, I, I'm pretty sure I have this right that Dave, the Bulletproof exec, said what you're looking for is at least a water processed coffee, not a dry process. He said that, um, I'm pretty sure I have it right, that lowers the mold potential. He said, well, and also other environmental toxins. Um, in where they lay the beans out dry the whole time, yeah. they get exposed to a lot of like you know, bird shit, and anything right. else in the air sure. um, can really add up and also cause molds. So, huh. just I, I really don't know that much about it. If you're more interested, you can read more about. Yeah, what yeah, no, I'll check it out. But I mean, because uh, you know that's that's worrisome because I really like dry process. Well, coffee. he actually <laughs> said that dry process coffees. Most people say they're preferable in flavor if you're yeah. a little, if you're really into it yeah. he said they are you have a good cup of that and it, the flavors are outstanding yeah. but he's claiming you're going to feel way more fantastic if you get the mold free coffee right it could be he could be out there I don't know yeah it's I don't know worth I'll have exploring. To look, yeah I'll have to look into it but yeah so that's the difference with the dry process rather than going through all that water and mechanization and all that you're basically just and, and part of it is just you know based on limitations you know if you're if you're in a region that doesn't have enough to put in a coffee factory you know yeah. but but you can certainly pay you know people to sort of by hand ripping all these things open mm-hmm. and, and shelling you know shucking and them or whatever you want to call it then that's how you're going to do it do it you yeah know? and like the other day we heard you know the ethiopian coffee that we were looking at was not water processed for one simple reason they don't have any water there's no yeah right no water no factory so makes it hard yeah yeah, yeah we actually went down to I thought I was going to get a chance to learn something just offshoot, uh, just from the from City Roast, uh-huh. but the guy didn't show up. Oh yeah. And we had met. I mean, me and Brian Noyle went there to meet him, uh-huh. and he, he didn't bother to show up. Right. So I was like, I wasn't happy, and I don't want to go to the Western Market anyways because I think it's a piece of shit, and I hate the place, and I hate every vendor. But anyways, <laughs> why? It's all bullshit. It's all it's all, bullshit. All? Uh, or... I've got I've got one guy, two, three maybe yeah. that are reasonable. Anything outside the whole farmers thing yeah. needs to just be shit canned and knocked out. Yeah. There's if you go you know how there's the long straight away in Westside Market? Right. For the the vegetable part, you know? Yeah. And then the little L where right. there's a little there's a good vendors over there. Yeah. That big long straight away. Right. Don't buy anything. Well, there's like yeah, bas- bacteria kind of does stuff, and then right across from them, uh, Decaros I exactly. still kind of dig, yeah. and that's about it. And then there's the um, apiary. Johansson's. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's not honey. produce. Yeah. Right. But he's got the good honey. The so that's stuff. what I mean. There's a few vendors. There's right. Few the select. honey guy. Um, there's a few local produces, and then inside in the whole meat thing, it's pretty much. Yeah. It's a wreck. But again, they got a few, like, in and out. They're you in there. Like, um, I got a... There's a huge misconception. Dohar meats. They're Hungarian mm-hmm. smokers. Um, I can't be very certain of the quality of the meat they're starting with because their prices are pretty good. Right. They're pretty low, which right, scares right, me. Right. Right. Yeah, right. You know, I, I, it shocks me when I can get hand-smoked, locally-smoked 
Canadian bacon for six fifty a pound. That's actually too cheap. It should be <laughs> like, what's going much on more expensive. Yeah, yeah. So those things are a little bit bothersome. But there's a huge misconception about the West Side Market that, like, you know, you're supporting local food by no. shopping at the West Side uh, Market, not, and that's no. really not the case at all. It's it's all food terminal shit. All the meat's just corn-fed, <clears throat> grain-fed crap from yeah. states and states away. Well, and that, yeah, right. That's another thing is that, you, you know, there's a misconception about the meat that, you know, it's like, oh, this is better quality and all that. But, you know, it's what someone what, what someone made a, a good point recently is that, you know, it's worse than the supermarket. It's worse than, like, a giant eagle because it's not even labeled. You know, yeah. you don't know where it's from, what it's fed... Antibiotic-free, not antibiotic-free, you know, I mean... Thing, if you ask... So there's a few, you know, again, there's some exceptions, yeah, but generally... Brian Doyle had, <clears throat> via Facebook, someone had mentioned that. They're like, where's, where's the grass-fed beef? I think we market. probably read the same thing. It was on some, so we like, went, Cleveland we were, While we were there, we asked. Something. Yeah. The vendor that carries it, uh-huh. they get a half a steer on a Friday, right. and it's gone that day. Now, that's good meat. So you're getting grass-fed Miller. It's a local... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's locally Miller. raised Miller's. Sure. They bring in a half a steer and one day it's gone. It's like, get here early. Right. So that's cool, but other than that... Which stand is that so I know where to go? Um, <laughs> I'll have to ask, we'll ask Brian. Okay, okay. I don't want to even say a name. I'll say the wrong name. Right, I'm famous right. for that. Yeah. So we ended up down at City Roast and... Just uh, to do some recording or... No. Oh, just, just to get for, some coffee. Just so. to looking for... We wanted to investigate this mold-free idea and see what his ah, okay. thoughts were. And right. buy some coffee for the info. Yeah, yeah. For the knowledge. <coughs> so I need to buy some coffee anyways. Shouldn't have. But yeah, I don't, I don't know. I just got some French roast. So Wednesdays is their delivery day. Yeah. That's their... So I just see all this coffee, and I think there is no way they move that much. Dozens of roasts right. in two-gallon glass things, you know? Yeah. And I'm like, there's no way they move that much coffee. But... She told us that Wednesdays, it's all fresh. Right. So I got a French roast because I'm just familiar with it, and I figured it was a safe bet, and it's a yeah. blend. You know, it's, yeah. to, for my purposes, How safe as bet. <laughs> and it's okay. Yeah. I don't, it's okay. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're, um, you know, you see, so the problem is, and I don't know if this is the problem on the, on the roaster's end, or problem on the consumer's end, or sort of, a, a, you know, something that develops between... That um, that relationship, but like so many people over roast, think that uh, you know a part of it too is um, they're meeting the customer's demand though. Well, right, right, because a lot of people want the dark roasted coffee. So rather than try to educate about coffee, yeah. people will just go, "All right, fine, you know what? I'll just roast the shit out of it. Fine, here you okay. go, Eat, yeah. you know, enjoy." Right, <laughs> right, yeah. Um, so there's that. You know, instead of wanting to educate, you just sort of like pander to, you know. Yeah, uh, and then. I think also, you know, the the price of coffee's gone up, right? And, and just like exactly like what you were saying with the meat, you know, when I when I look at coffee that like is a certain price, I'm going, that's too cheap. Like that's you're, cheap. you know, yeah. that that's got to be through. junk coffee, right? Right? Yeah. You can't get good coffee for that price. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's the same thing, you know. So if if people want to pay ten bucks a pound for coffee, right? Um, then, uh, you know, roasters who, who want to cater to that are going to have to get crappier and crappier coffee and then, of course, roast the shit out of it so that you can't taste that it's crappy. You just okay. taste roast. Ah, it makes sense. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's, you know, so, I think that's part of And, and so, you know, any, anyone that's, like, participating in that, you know, if you, if you love coffee and you're in the industry, I think anyone that's sort of not 
working towards trying to improve it and just sort of, you know, catering to poor, sort of like poor taste or uneducated, you know, and again, you don't want to like just, oh, well, you know, I'm not interested in helping you out then, you know, but yeah. but to some degree, like try to, you know, work with people to improve sort of the, the knowledge and, and, mm-hmm. and get people to know what the difference is between yeah. good and bad coffee, you know. So they they can appreciate it. I mean, if you can't appreciate why you're spending an extra five bucks or something like that, you know, fifty percent more on your coffee, then why do why it? Spend it. Yeah. Why, why buy forty dollar bottles of wine if yeah, if you can't tell the difference between a forty and a five? Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. Some people are foolish with their money though, so. Right. Yeah. Some people just want to buy it because hey, it's yeah. expensive. It must be good, yeah. you know. But I want to know so, what makes it good. Like why? Where, why should I pay more for this? Are any coffee shops roasting coffee in the, in town here? Yeah. There's some. Um, there's um, uh, Loop in uh, Tremont. Okay. Um, City Roast, actually, if you know Civilization in Tremont, yeah, that's their that's their joint. Oh, so, it is. I yeah, yeah. That. Same owners and everything, and I think they might even have another place as huh. well. So I got an espresso there, and it was mediocre at best. And then I got a really, really foul one at Arabica. Oh yeah, that was not really drinkable. Yeah, that, Arabica went sort of. To so hell. it's funny when I left here. I left here like <clears throat> I, I'm so bad with things. 98. I'm just gonna make that up. Oh, just left play with them on 98. And back then, there was Arabica. I mean, I right. that was going to be that like... The and then one. as the coffee thing emerged, I thought they were going to be like a really cool thing to come back and rediscover again. Right. And I found out it's... Well, because... So they... I mean, they had been kind of decent um, when uh, when it got started, you know. Uh, and then they kind of franchised it and, and different, you know, people sort of came in and... Um, you know, the whole thing sort of fell apart. Okay. Uh, and then, and then you know, the same guy uh, started Phoenix. No, I didn't know. Rise from the Ashes, oh, right? See. That's oh, okay, the whole, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't know what's going on with that now because it's start, I don't know if it's starting to, you know, if they're doing some of the same thing as far as starting to sort of license out, you know, oh, really? the name. And, and so. so I've never been to that place. I don't go out, like, ever. Yeah. I just happened to recently just go to a couple of places meeting with Brian and just getting out a little bit like I went to Civilization once right and um, no I haven't been around since I've been um, back have you been to the Root in Lakewood there I've been there I mean that, that's that's one of the one places time. I can say you know does some like does some decent yeah does some okay stuff they have some well trained people yeah you know, I, had, um, I had an Americana poured over my uh, Bulletproof Optimized so I couldn't taste uh, it okay, so I okay. didn't know what they did for right, me I could not right you know the, the, that was a cool spot though yeah, uh, very cool, very cool owners, you know. Um, and, you know, Nikki here, she's awesome, yeah. too. Um, okay. But, I mean, I, I like the coffee over there <laughs> better. Okay. Um, and, you know, I'm not, not biased because I don't have any of mine right now. Um, but, you Do know, you I've had some coffee there the coffee in the shops? past. Is that part of well, your plan? Well, part of the problem now is that Fluid Bed Roaster that I mentioned, um, it has a about a one-pound capacity. And a roast takes about 20 minutes. So to roast for a coffee shop, especially if I'm doing other things like teaching, uh, I mean, come on, yeah, it's not going to happen. Yeah, right. So the machine's going to fail eventually at that. Yeah, at that level. Yeah, I mean, it's a commercial machine, but it's on the low end of commercial, you know, kind of thing. So it's not you couldn't use a home roaster and do back to back roasts. So that's at least a nice. I mean, you can finish a roast and start the next one, and it's not a problem. Home roasters can't do that. You got to have like a cool down. Uh, but you know, obviously, to do to move in a wholesale, uh, which I'm about. Oops, shit, watch up. Lift that up for a second. Sorry. Um, 
tried to short out your computer. What's that? <laughs> what were we talking about before I tried to short out your computer? Right, right, right. <laughs> I don't, uh, coffee is something. Must have not liked it. Who knows? Oh, uh, just mentioned the root, I think that's it. Oh, the yeah. root. So, yeah. yeah. Nice owner is, like, very sort of socially aware, you know, trying to help out, like, the community and that's cool. things like that, trying to, um, you know, really trying to source, like, local ingredients and stuff, so I dig what they're doing over there. You know. That's cool. Yeah. Where is it, like, Lakewood? Yeah, Lakewood, right, right, like, just past uh, Warren, just west of Warren, a little bit. So it's like this place here, it's kind of like this, what's this area called? Gordon, Gordon Square. Square? Yeah. This is kind of like a gentrification a little bit of this older neighborhood, like, kind of. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Yeah. I don't know what it was like before, but yeah. I see a few things popping up here and there that look nice. And... Right, yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely um, come up over here, they put a lot of... Uh, Put a lot of work and money into uh, the area. So, how do you sell your coffee? Um, I shops. do a lot. Um, I do a lot with the uh, farmers markets when the farmers markets are in oh, season. Oh, so getting it straight to the co- yeah. consumer then. Yeah, so that's, that's cool. what I've been doing the past couple seasons, and right, right around the corner here in Gordon Square Farmers Market. Oh yeah, is like my main like where I got started. Oh okay. Yeah. So, what is your response from the from the consumer then? Really, really good. Yeah, Yeah. Um, I've had great response, and I mean that's the reason I'm you know looking to grow because you know what seemed to be really nice is that for the most part I had everyone that sort of tried things uh, started coming back, and then uh, and then you know you would sort of add the new customers on top of that. So my sales, you know, this year were probably double what they were last year. Cool. You know, Um, and I also started this year, uh, and this sort of um, helps to. You know, sort of see what's going on as far as uh, return customers is I started using um, uh, mason jars to store my coffee in uh, as opposed to, you know, the little, like, crappy bags and so. Right. Um, and then, you know, charging slightly, slightly more for the jar, but then sort of giving them a credit on the jar for bringing it back to get for refilled. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, by the, end of the, by the end of market season, I was... I was using almost no containers anymore because all of them were so being coming sort back. of coming That's back. Cool. Yeah. That's what I do with my kombucha. I put it in Grolsch bottles, you mm-hmm. know, the swing top. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Grolsch bottles. And if someone gives me the bottle back, I give them a dollar off. Right. But... I don't actually sell kombucha because that's illegal. Exactly. <laughs> so right. I meant theoretically. Right. That's how well, it's like I noticed uh, <laughs> uh, on eBay, for instance, they sell, you can buy beer on eBay, you know, um, like certain rare beers and things. Yeah. Which that's another thing. I'm like, you know, really into like uh, craft beer and stuff oh, like okay. that. So, uh, and I do some brewing and, you know, yeah, all gross, that. I would just prefer to pour the beer down the sink. It's crap. Oh, right. But, but the uh, bottles are awesome and they're very expensive. You can actually buy them full of Grolsch for the cheaper price than you can buy the same. Or less. <laughs> yeah. Same thing with like a jug of wine. Sometimes I'll use those um, Carlo Rossi style jugs. Yeah, I use those too. It's uh, 1.5 liters. Uh-huh. Those jugs are four to six bucks. <laughs> but they're like full five of wine bucks is five ninety nine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you do the math. Yeah, so it's kind of funny. Right. That's kind of, I like that idea of putting the uh, beans in the mason jars and then yeah. getting them back. And I mean, you don't want they um, clean easily. Oh yeah, and yeah. They're, they're, I mean, and they're pretty. You know, right? Is, There's is a couple coffee, things. Sorry, is go ahead. it is sensitive to light? Well, that's what I was going to say. The one thing is it is sensitive to light. 
Um, so I tell everyone, you know, but put it in the cabinet. You know, where you're yeah, not going, where sure. that's not going to be an so issue. Because any any canned food that you're putting in mason jars, almost all of that is sensitive to light, will oxidize under light. You keep yeah. it in a pantry. You know, just like you. And I don't, you know, you don't keep anything, coffee out on your shelf. You put it in your pantry. Anything or perishable. Yeah, is right. Affected by light. So, so uh, but but other than that, you know, as long as you're keeping it in a dark cabinet, um, then the jar is going to keep it actually a lot fresher than any of the bags that I've messed around with. And part of the reason for that is that it's being jarred almost immediately after roasting. Uh-huh. And so it's still sort of uh, degassing. And so um, you're going to have CO2 sort of pushing the oxygen off of the yeah. top of the beans, you know. So it, stay, it keeps it really fresh. That's so much awesome. so That's that... That's the exact same technique I use in fermentation. So, yeah, right. Exactly the same thing with beer or, you know... Yeah, we... For other... A couple different techniques. One, I do the most simple thing. When I use my giant... I have a 15-gallon crop. I'll do like a whole... You can do 60, 80 pounds of kimchi or crowd in one of those. Mm-hmm. And I just cover the top with, when, I'm, when it's all done and everything's submerged, I cover the top with plastic wrap. And it's ceramic, so it gets a really tight, the saran wrap or whatever, mm-hmm. plastic wrap, mm-hmm. clings very well. And in no time, after a couple of days, like the whole thing, like a mushroom cloud, starts pushing that plastic up. Yeah. And all I do is burp it. Uh-huh. So it just lets all the oxygen out. And you just reseal it, and it's just all carbon dioxide in there. Yeah. And you never now the secret is don't touch it though, right. because I'm going months, or at least minimum three weeks. Yeah. And if you don't open it, yeah, it doesn't mold. Right. It molds won't grow. Right, right, right. No bad flavors develop. So it's a similar technique of mm-hmm. taking advantage of that natural carbon dioxide. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, and it's uh, the one the one kind of uh, humorous complaint, and I got it more than once, so I started having to warn people about it. Was I didn't realize how much. It would pressurize that jar. Uh-huh. Um, and so uh, a, a number of people told me they would, you know, open, like, leave it sealed and, uh-huh. and, you know, because they were finishing their old coffee or something like that, you know, go to open it like a couple days later. And so much gas had uh, sort of been released in there that when they opened it, the beans essentially exploded all over the kitchen. Oh, really? Because the pressure? Yeah. So is the seal... So I gotta say, you know, crack it and, and, and yeah. wait for the hiss and then go ahead and open it. it. It does become pressurized. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. <laughs> it's gotta have a little warning label. And, and, and surprisingly, like, grinding it doesn't change that. So even, like, because sometimes I, I would take the grinder to the markets with me for people that wouldn't have it at home and I'd grind it right there. Um, and the same thing would happen. You know, they, they sort of open it too fast and yeah. the grounds would shoot oh, everywhere. Yeah, that's a mess. Yeah. They're not as bad dry when they're wet. Yeah. They're, they're a nightmare. Yeah. But great for your uh, garden compost. Oh, yeah. You know, compost coffee grounds. My, yep. Oh, yeah. yeah. Coffee and the tea from the kombucha, the tea bags. Mm-hmm. Put that all into the compost. I do a vermicompost in the backyard. It's oh, all nice. worm-based. Yeah, yeah. I don't turn it. Uh-huh. Very I just cool. layer it with uh-huh. carbon food, coffee, scobies. Yeah. So I pull, pull off, my scobies get a little long in the tooth. I kind of pull them off and pull the bottom layers off. You'll see the big yeasty strands. Uh-huh. That's just all dead yeast. You just pull it off and toss it and keep it going. Nice. So as we were talking about earlier with the kombucha doing a continuous brew. Yeah. Where you never stop it. Just siphon off what you want. Uh-huh. Add sweet tea. So you're basically, I mean, you, you siphon off enough to, and just leave like two cups, leave your yeah, starter, right? Yeah, yeah just it's, it's kind of. Siphon off one bottle. Now, I happen to do a lot. Yeah. I have a two gallon container, so I can siphon off a one and a half liter jug. Right. Put one and a half liters in, and it's ready, you know, sweet tea, and it's ready to go in a couple days. 
Oh, really? Because I still have this much liquid in there. I still have a gallon right. of Oh, and sitting. so that really gets... Huh. I don't have okay. to wait two more weeks. Right. If you, do, if you just do, say, if you were one 12-ounce bottle that you siphoned off, uh-huh. you could do that every day. Yeah. It would turn over every day of produce you with 12 ounces of yeah. liquid. It's funny, I was asking, uh, to say this is for the, the benefit of whoever's listening here, I was, I was asking you last night uh, about kombucha, because it was, you know, this is the first day I'm actually doing the homebrew, and... Um, and uh, I, I noticed the, the tea that I had sitting around at home. I sent you the picture of from, uh, like, it was like, you know, good through April of 2007. Oh, Is yeah. this okay? Five years ago. <laughs> I don't drink a lot of tea. That's I guess the, not. You know. Yeah, five-year-old tea, I'd probably say no. But the way I do things, I use whatever I have. Right, that's what I, I figured. And, it ta- you know, I tasted it a little bit today, and it tasted fine. I used an extra tea bag or two, yeah. you know, figuring maybe it was sort of weak. Still a little or, bit, a little bit of... There's a little potency after that long. Yeah. Yeah, and what I do, I think the uh, caffeine in a black tea is highly beneficial. Uh So I think ideally, so for productivity and flavor, a black and green mix is ideal. From me. Yeah, yeah. So I do about 50-50 black tea and green tea. And I just used Lipton because okay. it used to be sold at Costco, and I could buy a lot of it. Three hundred tea bags for like thirteen bucks or so, or ten bucks. Yeah. So, is there anything to be said of as far as for, for the tea, like using organic or anything like that, or? Uh, absolutely. I think the a lot of the black, a lot of the cheap teas that are all treated with um, the pesticides, the herbicides, right. and um, they're fluoridated too. Oh. For some reason, uh-huh. it's really weird. So, if you have the money, buy the best tea you can afford. Right. Um, there's actually people who sell blends of teas because they're kombucha makers. Oh, so like so, sort of something they think will yeah, produce a guy, really nice. there's a guy, the Happy uh, Herbalist, uh-huh. Ed. That might have been one of the things. I was reading a bunch of stuff yeah. online yesterday. That might be he's one I looked guru. at. I mean, he's a soul, he's a guru of all that. So, he actually sells a black green blend. I bought, I bought some. was really happy to have it. Noticed... No difference your own. for anything, and what I was doing couldn't justify the cost. Right. Except with the coffee thing, so I, I never bought it again. But. Well, I was—I had to start making the, the sort of brewing it myself because, um, I mean, I was—I was telling you earlier, like I've had—I've uh, had problems with uh, acid reflux, you know. Yeah particularly like at night you know so I'd almost be able to go through a lot of the day but then every evening like I'd almost like wake up in pain you know uh-huh. um, and and uh, so I tried like a number of different things like a lot of the over-the-counter stuff you know just I mean Tums and stuff like that and then like Zantac and then recently I tried that uh, I don't know it's one of those like Prilosec or one or of those yeah, one of those 14 you know 14 day and it was like it was cool for a minute although there were certain other weird things that I noticed but but then you know as soon as you stop it seemed like it, you know everything was back and maybe even worse it than it was anything. before it didn't fix anything right? that's for sure I've been drinking kombucha for three days now and I have no I have had no problems with reflux now for three days that's awesome you know and so you didn't get an but, initial 
uh, reaction, like an additional spike of acid reflux? I mean, I like immediately in my stomach. Right. It felt like a just yeah. slightly strange. Yeah. But no reflux. So my my stomach felt a little acidic. Yeah. But nothing like back up into my esophagus or anything cool. like that. That's cool. And 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 it seems like and you know now it's now really good to hear. two nights. Um, you know where where before if I didn't take some kind of pill at night to get me through the night. Yeah. I I would wake up and couldn't sleep because yeah. it was that bad. You know. Um, so now for for um, the past few nights, I haven't taken anything like no pills, no nothing. It was only just drink. I, I drank a couple of bottles of kombucha a day. Yeah. So like I think they may have even been fourteen. It was fourteen to sixteen ounce bottles. Yeah. You know, drank two of those like for the past few days, and like everything, the problems are just gone. That's awesome. You know. Um, but the expense, you know, you said like buy the best thing you You're can. Man, three four, to four bucks a four bottle. Four bucks a bottle, eight bucks a day. Minimum. So 30, let's say I want to have one for every meal. That's even more. You know, yeah, you're meals. over two hundred dollars a month. In that's kombucha. a bill. Like that's an expense. That's half my mortgage. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's yeah. like. And what you when you do the math on home homebrew? Oh, it's pennies. It's pennies. Yeah, pennies. right. Yeah, yeah, literally. Yeah, I got the scoby from a friend of mine for free. Uh-huh. You know. Um, the sugar costs nothing, you, you know. Tea, tea bags, five years ago. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, tea's already purchased. Yeah, oh, yeah, right. I mean, the, the dramatic difference, you know. So, yeah, I'm pretty yeah, excited I mean, about that. Plus, I like to do every, you know, brew beer, roast coffee. So, yeah. yeah, like I saw the chickens in your backyard. Yeah, chickens and in the backyard. Gardens. It looks like you got some experimental gardening techniques going on back there. Yeah, actually, uh, my wife um, is uh, Lisa. She's taking, uh, currently in the Market Gardener Training Program yeah. from the OSU Extension. So she's been doing some stuff at home over the past like couple years, and now she's getting a little more serious about it. So That's cool. We'll be doing, looking to work some land, you know. Those are um, all the things I'm into. I don't do a lot yeah. of it, but I mean, I'd love to. I'd love to add the chickens in and some things. So we just can't because of our living situation right now. Right. Very inspiring. That's really cool. That's awesome, And yeah. the kombucha... I'll go back to that. Um, one thing you'll get for flavor is uh-huh. playing with the sugar more than the tea, actually. Okay. Now, do you want to add much, like, after the fact? Because I see some of these, it's like they take kombucha sort of as a base, and then maybe they'll screw around you with some, like, juices ferment. or... Yeah, that's a double fermentation. So, but even on that first ferment, if you'll get, um, like, I go to Costco and get, um, they sell a... Uh, Fertrate organic cane sugar, mm-hmm. and then they also have that sugar in the raw brand. Okay. So those, you know, those two, and you'll notice a huge difference in flavor. Really? The other way you can cheat is just add a little bit of brown sugar right. to your white sugar. Yeah. So if you're just using cane sugar, uh-huh. you can add a little bit of brown sugar, and that'll really help the flavor profile. Right. And then once you get a good brew, then start experimenting with secondary ferments. You literally just add fruit juice. Mm-hmm. Your, just let it make your own, buy your own, or buy you know whatever you can yeah. make it or buy it yeah. and then you just cap it and put it in a warm spot two days three days oh, and wow. it'll that sugar will get all those yeasts going again it'll produce a little bit of alcohol and get very um, carbon you know carbonated uh-huh. as opposed oh, nice. to the flat which I like. I've tried a couple of different ones now, you know, and, and there was one that was like uh, GTs or whatever. It was yeah. definitely like more flat, you yeah. know, but that's the raw, I guess. And then there was one that I tried that was like Wonder Drink or something. Where they put a lot of sugar in. it seems like there's fruits. a lot more carbon. Yeah, because those yeasts are getting activated again. Now, GTs is okay now. Back in the day, before they reformulated, stuff was a super elixir. Really? Powerful. Like, almost hard to drink. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. And now it's pretty like, flat. Like, tasted it, nasty, or what do you mean by hard to drink? Well, it was it was funky. It yeah. had a real funk to it. You could actually taste the fermentation. Uh-huh. And that's the other thing you'll get. If you don't use a lot of tea, mm-hmm. you'll, you'll taste that fermentation flavor. Right. The more tea you add will disguise that. You'll be drinking more of a... Apple cider flavor, right, right, right. Um, will come out more, and if you go lighter on the teas, you'll really taste the fermentation. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever tried a water kefir. Oh, water kefir to uh-huh. ferment. Uh-huh. It's like these water crystals. That's a great way to find out what uh, fermented yeasts and bacteria actually taste like. Yeah, because that it really comes through on that on that. I know the, the the smell that comes off of you know beer while it's brewing you know sort of like yeah. reminds me of that a little bit. You I've know, never made beer. Like I've never even been around. I've never even seen. Which is surprising because you like fermenting things. Yes, yeah, but I don't. Yeah, now that I'm <laughs> but green, do you not free like now. beer? Oh, okay. So I don't. I don't drink beer. What about? Anymore. I mean, what about like a gluten-free? You know, or like a sorghum? If I, or, if I came across you know, one, I'll try it. I've never even tried one. Um, I'm not. I'm a like. Quasi beer snob, but actually my favorite beer in the world is Guinness, okay. which is like a ob- an obvious beer. But yeah, yeah. there's something about it. It doesn't cause me any inflammation problems like uh-huh. normal beer does. And I swear it actually improves. Um, I get a little bit of carpal tunnel, carpal tunnel when I was working, mm-hmm. and I would literally, I swear that I would get a um, reduction in inflammation in my wrists. I wonder if it's something to do with it, just like thinning the blood just slightly, it could maybe. Be could be and I didn't get any of the adverse reactions that I get from normal hmm. um, beers gluten beers so I've always sworn by yeah. Guinness I love it but I, I've been off that for a year now okay yeah no beers I don't think a couple times I've got some girls just to polish them off to, right but that's really bad it's a horrible beer I hate that style yeah of beer I'm a freak about it I have gone more crazy recently than I have in the past. Oh, really? I've, I've gotten to the point now where uh, I'm actually uh, collecting beer. <laughs> you know, like uh, some of the stuff that'll age. You know, it like, actually, like uh, does it improve? You know, yeah, well, depending on the beer. You yeah. know, like a Grosch is not going to improve. A, gro- a, a Grosch is going to skunk. You know, um, almost seems like the you know the more alcohol a beer has, the more likely it is to improve with age. So huh. you know, the real heavy like imperial stouts and uh, barley wines and you know those types yeah. of things um, will uh, will tend to improve with age. But there, there there definitely seems to be a pinnacle. You know, just like again, like wine, wine there's again. like that pinnacle where you know at a certain point, heavy, you know, that hits its peak and starts yeah, to grade. Yeah, heavier alcohol wines, the ones that age well. Age better, right? right? Yeah. Uh, but it seems like the the that window on beer is is not like the window on wine. You know, we're talking like maybe we'll peak in two years or okay. three years or something. You know, we're not talking like ten years. Yeah. Or, yeah, for my body composition and my health, I, I have to stay away from beer. Yeah. I, I just, it does, it does all the wrong things for me, and I don't really want to even yeah. mess with it anymore. Right, right. Maybe I'll try some gluten freeze someday, but I'm not even interested. I actually had a meeting with one of the local brewers about pursuing a kombucha uh-huh. um, with their beer. Yeah. Um, they wanted to do maybe a kombucha beer, and I said no. Let's let's make kombucha the very best we can and put it on tap and let people blend your beer. 
so that you can have your full profile, all your beers that you yeah. specialize in. Just keep that. Let's make a kombucha, a raw kombucha, and then blend it. Yeah. So that the bartender could actually be a little bit of a, an artist. Right. He can say, oh, let's mix the kombucha. Because kombucha and beer go really well together. Yeah. Really well. Some are better than others, obviously. I was thinking it almost has to be something light, because I'm thinking... It is light. The more lighter along... beers go yeah. really well. Um, so we tried a few of their beers, and one of them... They weren't quite working that well. And I was with the brewer, the brewmaster. And he's like, you know what? I got it. I know the one. Now, like, he didn't get no experience with kombucha. I brought him some. So we did a tasting. <laughs> he went back into the cellar back there and pulled off some. And it was the most amazing beverage. Oh, I mean, it was really, really good. And he was yeah. impressed. But um, they weren't in a position to make a move to do something like that. So, But I thought that would be interesting. But there's other breweries that have actually made, produced kombucha in the beer. They actually ferment it all together. Oh, wow. Um, Goose something? Goose Island? Goose Island. Really? They made a kombucha beer. They won't be doing that anymore. And uh, why? <laughs> because they got bought by Budweiser. They did? Yeah, and like they're, I uh, just found out that pretty much all of their good, interesting stuff, Yeah. as of this year, they're no longer going to be making. No way. Yeah, so like they do... Uh, the only one there's a there's a beer that they do called a uh, uh, Bourbon County Stout that's like so popular and people wait so long for you know for yeah. the release of that every year. Yeah. They think they're going to keep doing that one, but all their other like good stuff like they have all these other big beers. This one called King Henry, which but is crazy bourbon barrel aged barley wine. They had this uh, Night Stalker and Big John and all these different ones that they're just going to not make that's anymore. Because yeah. So, did the, are the owners going to re? You know, are they going to have their Phoenix moment and go back? Yeah, to I the don't. Board? I don't know. I heard some story about the uh, head brewer there, who you know, upon finding out about the whole deal, sort of uh, went out that night, got shit faced, and left a glass of urine on the bar. Okay. <laughs> so it's like nice breakup. Yeah, right. It would have been you know, <laughs> note or just gross. a statement like, here, yeah. get used to it. You know, that would have been that would have been I think cool. I, but, I see the message there. Yeah. yeah. Wow. <laughs> but. So um, then the other one was uh, Dogfish Head. Yeah, yeah they do a lot of crazy they've stuff. They've done a kombucha beer. Okay. And they actually have, I'm not sure which of those breweries, one of them, but they actually have a whole video about the yeah. process, and it was a total experiment for them. They but did, I never uh, wanted to pursue that. I think the blending of a finely crafted beer right. and a good kombucha would be a fun thing for people to, to explore in a bar setting. Yeah. And also what it offers is a non-alcohol alternative for... For if you're not going to want to drink, drink. Yeah, you can right. drink and still have fun. And actually, there is a teeny bit of a, you know, you're going to get a half percent. Right. So yeah. you can get a little bit of something. You can still you know, have a carbonated, it, fermented beverage, but you don't have to get wasted. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's fun, you know, it's fun to drink and you don't have to feel left out. You're not drinking coffee. Mm. You get wired, you know, yeah, at yeah, night. Yeah. In so the evening, right? It's a great idea. And I got one other guy I can talk to. I just kind of let it go. Yeah. Well, so what are the legalities, I guess, because that's I know... I, that's why I wanted to leverage them to find out. Uh, Since okay. they have the facility, the state's already coming in right. and, and doing their... Well, I mean, so why is it illegal for you, for instance? All fermented foods are... You can't sell in Ohio. I mean, you can't commercially? Or, or what do you mean? Like, it at all? Fall, or you know how, like, for you, coffee fall, It falls under the cottage foods... Industry. So, so fermented foods can't be a cottage. Not cottage. Food, but it can be like a commercially produced. Yes, there are food. commercial okay. producers. But it has to be in a state inspected facility. 
state right. certified. And the problem, so I've actually talked to them, it's ODA, Highway yeah. Department of Agriculture. They are so ridiculously vague. They, I'll say, well, do you have a pamphlet or a guideline on how to build a room, a fermentation room? They're like, no, just tell us the space you have in mind, and we'll come out and check it out and tell you what to do. I'm like, so what do you want me to buy a building? Or sign a lease for two years on a building? <laughs> so you can and then tell have me. you tell me how to build a fermentation room, and what if I want to do kombucha and yeah. sauerkraut right. in the same building? That's two different things, and... But I actually wrote, can, can I just sell some krauts and some kombucha at the farmer's market things? And they were like, no way. <laughs> All no, caps. No, no. No, no, no microbiology experiments huh. at all. So it doesn't qualify for Now I wonder if there's a way, because I was thinking about, like, for instance, I was thinking about a community-supported brewery kind of project, uh-huh. right? Um, and obviously, I cannot sell alcohol under cottage laws, yeah, you know. Alcohol is scary. And that's, a, that's right, that's even get, more... You've got this people off. Yeah. The but now, what I'm wondering is, can I form a club, just like the raw milk thing, right? Can I form a club in which the participants are buying ingredients, and that's what they're paying for, and as part of that club, they're getting the product of you know, participation. You can do it until, until, until someone, someone found out. Right. And they would easily... <laughs> And they would be very happy to shut that down. Yeah. yeah. Because unfortunately, when you start talking private club, right. alcohol, right. well, ATF gets really, that, that just tickles their balls. They get super yeah. excited and they're all over you. Right. And, you know, distilleries are, you know. But now, so what if it's, I'm wondering, if it's not alcohol, it's like it's your thing, right? I wonder if you could sort of somehow figure out a way to work it like the raw milk thing. You know, where yeah, but someone... even raw milk, it's all done through the state. You have to sign legal documents for herd shares. To... Really? Oh, yeah. In Ohio? Okay. To, for sure. I know we're There's part a... of it, but I know my wife handled all of it, yeah, so I don't know what she had to do. If you find a farmer and he's pulling milk for you and you've got some cash barter system. Right. No, I mean, this it's... is like kind of a larger program that I think we, we Yeah, you have to sign of, so. a herd share. Basically what you're doing at that point is you're paying the farmer to manage and care for the cow as their herd right. share. And in exchange right. you get milk products, fluid. Yeah. From or water or cream. Right. But you're paying not for the fluid, you're paying for the service. Exactly. And That's so what, what I'm wondering state, is the state yeah. designed the, the the documents. Okay. So you couldn't like have the kind of thing where like people are, you know, joining the fermentation club and, and buying cabbage and buying this and buying that so they're not buying kombucha or, or, or kimchi or anything right. from you. Right. You know, they're they're buying the ingredients to be part of a, a I, I learning doubt, process or I something. I doubt you'd get much static unless it got out of control. And right. But I, I think that would be cool. I love the idea. Yeah. And just, and just go with it. Yeah. A little fermentation club and yeah, I like it. I'd, I'd be in. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I yes. just would be weary. I would leery of... I, would, I wouldn't mix in the alcohols just to avoid that myself. Right, right. Hey, you know, if you had, uh, you know, people who could keep their mouth shut and had a little private club, that'd <laughs> be the thing. Yeah, legally, I don't know. It'd be worth exploring, though.
Now that that show part is over, let's get to the ad. For the listeners of Doc Fermento Discovers the World, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free trial uh, so you can try out the service. So the the great thing is right now the trial is, has gone to 30 days. So you get your first 30 days of the Audible Listener Gold membership plan for free. This includes one credit. In almost all cases, one credit equals one audiobook. After your 30-day trial, your membership will automatically renew each month for $14.95, billed to the credit card you used when you registered with Audible. With your membership, you will receive one credit per month, plus member-only discounts on all audio purchases. Here's the idea, the advantage of the 30-day trial. Pick your book, you get 30 days to listen to it. If you want the book to keep forever for free and that's it, just cancel. Your credit card will not be billed to $14.95. If you do not cancel, you will become a member of the Audible Listener Gold Membership Plan. All right, And that's just going to renew every month for $14.95 and you're going to get another audiobook every month. If you don't want to do that, just cancel before the 30 days is up. Fair enough? I hope so. So go sign up. Grab yourself a book. Get Joel Salatin's Folks, This Ain't Normal. Thanks. I think I just did that entire ridiculously long uh, ad and didn't say uh, the web address. So what you're going to do is go to audibletrial.com forward slash Doc Fermento. Thank you.